We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Hello and welcome to the All 80s Movies Podcast, the podcast where we talk about the blockbusters, the flops, and everything in between from one of the freshest decades for movies, the 1980s. I'm your host, Bill Banton, and along with me on this journey back to the 80s is my co-host, Jason Masick. Jason Meister, are you okay? No, Bill, I'm not. Mom and Dad come home Monday. I've had two weeks of total freedom closest I've come to sex was a girl who took her top off to seduce my sister. What's wrong with me? Not a thing. Listen, sex is not that big a deal. I'd like to form my own opinion. That's right, listeners. Today we'll be discussing 1985's comedy Just One of the Guys, starring Joyce Heiser, Clayton Rohner, and William Zatka. Directed by Lisa Gottlieb. This movie is rated PG-13 with a running time of one hour and 40 minutes. So what is this movie about? What's in the box? If you grew up in the 1980s and went to your local video store to rent this movie, you would find this description on the back of the VHS box. It is what's in the box. Take it away, Jason. She's 18. She's great looking. And now Terry Griffith is about to set off an epidemic of comic hysteria when she enrolls in a new high school As just one of the guys, Terry blames sexism after her journalism teacher refuses to enter her article in a competition to win a summer internship on the local newspaper. With the help of her kid brother, Buddy, she masquerades as a male at a rival school and enters the contest there. During her charade, Terry the boy tangles with a vicious bully, Greg, and fends off an amorous classmate, Sandy. But when she falls for handsome loner Rick, our hero slash heroine, must find a way to convince him that she's not just one of the guys. Just one of the guys. One of the guys. Bill, you and I, we're, we're just one of the guys. Yes, we are. Just one you know what, guy. Bill? Girls got something boys ain't got. And what is that? I, I don't know. It was just the song that's playing during the opening credits. And, you know... It put a smile on my face. And Bill, I am grateful to be here with you doing this movie on our podcast. And I want to thank you. Thank you for allowing us to do this film at long last. I don't know if our listeners are aware how I've been just subtly and not so subtly bugging you over the past months to do this. I just kind of, you know, what movies we got to We got to come up with movies for the next week or the coming weeks planning ahead. And, you know, you're always on it, man. You're the man. And I keep throwing in there. Well, you know, just one of the guys. That's always, you know, that's all just a possibility. We could do it. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll get to it. Yes. Just basically every list that Jason submits to me for upcoming, <laughs> just one of the guys is always right. one of the top three in there. So I'm catering, I'm pandering, and I'm hoping this is worth it for myself and the listeners. <laughs> 
Oh, we're going to make it worth it. We're doing it. All right. So that was uh, what's on the box. And uh, we're moving on to earliest memories of the film. So, Jason, you must have some major early memories of this film, because, like I said, you've wanted to do this since the beginning of the show way back in February. So take it away. It's all yours. Absolutely. And I am going to kill you right now. Because I barely have any earliest memories from this movie. What? Is it the strangest thing. It's a very weird. I just have. It's like this um, residual emotional attachment to this film that's lasted for years. And I, you know, when I started thinking about the movie before taking any notes, before reading anything or doing the what's on the box segment, writing down that blurb from the back of the VHS box or Starting the movie, I was, you know, I was thinking, what do I remember? What do I actually remember the, from this movie? So I'll list a few things here, but it was really strange. I couldn't get very specific for a movie that I keep saying we need to do and that I love. So right off the bat, let me just say that I did watch this once upon a time on repeat on VHS or HBO, whatever it was on after 1985, after it was released in theaters. And this movie stars a beautiful girl. Our protagonist, our leading lady slash leading man, the character's name is Terry Griffith, placed, uh, played by Joyce Heiser. Beautiful girl. So I, of course, remember her. Uh, and she's very beautiful. And then immediately thereafter, you just I have to associate the crazy brother, Buddy, Buddy Griffith, who is uh, played by Billy Jacoby. He's just, he steals every scene that he's in. And I always remember that he's got all the great lines. Uh, He's that quirky, he's the quirky brother slash sidekick in this movie. The the sex crazed teenage boy. He's just fills that stereotype in this movie. So that's another earliest memory. And here's another one, Bill, you know, in full transparency, I'm just going to, I'm just, you're one of my great friends, Bill. And I just want to be honest with you. I just want to be, this movie confused me as a kid. I was what, 11, 12 years old, coming into my own and watching this and being obviously very attracted to Terry Griffith in this movie. And then she does kind of that gender switch. And I, it confused me, Bill. I was questioning my sexual identity because of really? this movie. Wow. Well, I, I'm saying it a little bit tongue in cheek, but yeah, oh, okay. it was kind of confusing. I'm going, wait a minute. Here's an attractive woman. Now she's portraying a guy. I mean, I get, I got it. I mean, I got the shtick, but then I was like, wait, does this work? Does she pull it off? And it was, uh, it, you know, this, it kind of made me think at that age, I was like, Hmm, do I still, am I attracted to her as a guy? And what does that mean about my own personal uh, sexual identity? It was interesting. So, um, uh, I had just recalled that upon rewatching it. Uh, so yeah, that's, I'm just going to cut it off right there, man. Uh, uh, so surprisingly enough, not a, not a lot of early memories. It's more of a, just a fond, this emotional, you know, resonance that's stuck with me over the years. So how about you, Bill? What are your earliest memories of just one of the guys? Um, in a way, mine's similar to you because I didn't remember. I remember going to the video store all the time and seeing that box there and pick it up and look at it. And but I was like, I don't remember this movie ever being in the theater. I don't remember anything. I didn't know anything about it. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think I saw it until it was on cable. 
And I know it was before I hit 15 because just like you, you, you can't forget Buddy in this movie. No. And no. just being a horn dog, sex crazed maniac, and just thinking to myself, is, is that going to be me? Is that, is that, <laughs> is that what I'm going to be like? That's great. In a couple yeah. of years? Holy moly. And uh, being jealous of his crazy Playboy collection, which is, which it's like a trope for these sidekick brothers that they have nudie magazines galore. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, Playboy was definitely all the rage. I'm going to have to ask my younger brother if he had a ton of Playboy that I didn't know about. Did you have Playboys, Bill Bant? No. I was one of the lucky few, and I will say this. This is one of the reasons why I love my mother. (laughs) She allowed me to have a Playboy subscription. As long as I think I had to, I used my allowance to pay for it. And it wasn't super expensive at the time. So this would be, you know, mid to late 80s at this point. And I was like, really, mom, are you serious? You're not, you're not effing with me, man, here. And no, she wanted me to embrace uh, my, you know, not my sexuality and didn't want me to be suppressing it or repressing it to handle it in healthy ways. And she felt if I were going, she knew it was inevitable, me being a teenage boy, that I would get my hands on some adult material at some point. Might as well be Playboy, which was the, I don't know, wasn't quite as. Yeah, it wasn't as graphic as some of the others out right, there. It wasn't sure. like at the time, like Hustler was regarded yeah. as more, you know. And you can name a few more, but anyway. Uh, no, mine was the classic, like a friend found them in a dumpster and sure. we all huddled somewhere. It was, it was their dad's stash. I had yeah. a buddy like that who had a dad. Their dad had a collection of the 70s, all yeah. the 70s mags. And it was like, that was an impressive collection. Anyway, we don't have to get off on that tangent, yeah. but uh, good old Playboy. I kind of remember Terry's voice. Oh, come on. That doesn't sound like a guy at all. That always bothered me. Hmm. Of course. You can't forget the reveal to Rick. So, I mean, at that age, you know, you're like, whoa. Yeah, I should have put that in one of my earliest memories. I was mistaken not to have because that's, of course. Yeah. Yeah. So I think I might have this might have been like the third or fourth time I've seen the movie. So it was good to go back and, and rewatch this one. So, yeah, that was some of my, my earliest memories. Awesome. Yeah. You know, and speaking of the VHS box, it is a great cover on the box oh yeah where you have uh terry again uh played by joyce heiser on the cover and she's in the locker room with the guys all the guys are uh they have their backs to to the viewer uh with their towels on and she's got two football helmets covering her breasts yeah it's just a very memorable vhs cover for an 80s movie Mm -hmm. standing in the locker room with all the guys and I have some initial thoughts. This I didn't hit, did not realize that this movie turned 35 last year. Oh yeah. Wow. So 35th anniversary last year of just one of the guys. Some other initial thoughts, Bill Bant. If there were ever a classic 80s where the hell are the parents movie, this has got to be in the top like five. Like yeah. we were talking about Cloak and Dagger last night. The negligent, I, I always usually categorize it as like the negligent parents of the eighties mm-hmm. or the absentee parents. of the 80s. Yeah. They don't even like risky businesses where you see them in the beginning and going, Hey, we're going out of town. Right. Gone from the get go. So it was hilarious. Cause I'm watching this movie going, 
I mean, the opening of the movie, you've got Terry and Buddy at the breakfast table. He's looking at Playboys at the breakfast table while she's munching on there, having orange juice or whatever, like going. And I'm like, wait, what? Where are the parents? Correct me if I'm mistaken, but we don't realize until about half an hour, 40 minutes in that they, the parents are, they do actually tell us that the parents are on a two week vacation right out of town, but you don't know that until a half an hour or 40 minutes in. And you're just going, do these kids just have run of the house at all times? Like what they can just run wild at all times. Granted, they're not toddlers. They're teenagers in high school, but still uh, it was just, it just cracked me up, man. We got all the eighties movie and high school stereotypes in this one, man. I like uh, it was part of the what's on the box blurb, the hero slash heroine get it because we had, she's both uh, the boy and girl in this. We've got that kooky younger brother. We've got the jock and his uh, and his buddies, the jock and his jock thugs. We got the nerds in this one, Willie and Phil, who take it to a whole nother level in this movie. Once again, they're not the Stork twins. Stork. Every time I now compare every like dork like couple to the Stork twins, and Stork twins got that beat too. Yeah, they're too over the top for me. I completely agree. I mean, these two, for the listeners out there, if you, for some reason, have not seen this classic 80s film, Willie and Phil are the nerds in this movie, and they are wearing Star Trek-type uniforms throughout, uh, clearly sci-fi nerds, and they have developed their own alien language that they speak to one another, and it's just gibberish, and they, they have, like, high-pitched squeals. It's very weird. Yeah, they're very, basically very pretending they're here on a mission to observe Earthlings. And that's how they communicate yeah. with everyone. It's just, it's so bizarre. So they take that stereotype way over the top, as Bill said. We've got the ugly duckling transformation, the transformation from zero to hero in this. Then we've got something new here, Bill. We've got the guy who brings weird animals, namely reptilian, like snakes and lizards to school. Is there yeah. a stereotype classification for that guy? I never. I was okay with him, but yeah, he was. Oh, he was yeah. out there too. It was just like a strange. We've got a guy that just brings his strange creatures to school. And the funny and thing is, he's credited as reptile. Right. That's. His name. We don't even know his real name. They. Yeah, he has a name in the movie, which I failed to write down. It was hard to pronounce. But yeah, he's just credited as reptile. So I just thought yeah. that was funny. I mean, this has all the stereotypes. The names of the high schools. We've got Edwina Pearl High School. Which is the initial high school. Well, that's the high school that Terry and Buddy attend. And uh, Terry's uh, best friend, uh, is it Denise? Yes. Then the other high school in town, which apparently is across the street, is <laughs> called yeah. Sturgis Wilder High School. Uh, some great names for high schools. Again, Joyce Heiser, she's, she's just gorgeous, man. I remembered her being very sexy and very attractive, obviously thinking that, but now I'm going, wow. I mean, the opening shot of the movie is camera is panning over her in lying in bed and she is uh, scantily clad. Let's just put it that way. And I was like, my goodness. The funny thing is, as soon as she speaks, she has her tone is a little bit lower, which have a thing for girls, not with, with man's voices. Let's not get me wrong here, but Mm -hmm. Like kind of either like that raspy, but right. she has a little bit lower, which is surprising because she looks, I mean, she's extremely feminine looking, but then when she speaks, she has a little bit 
of a lower tone, but that's my opinion. And I was like, I wonder if she was purposely cast because when they, she cuts her hair, she just looks like a softer, prettier version of Ralph Macchio. I liked her with the short hair. Oh, absolutely. I think she's super cute with the short hair. Yeah. But she definitely looks like Ralph Macchio. And I want, you know, then there is something in the trivia or fun facts that with the casting, I think that was just a happy accident because mm-hmm. the Karate Kid comes out the year before and then they find this beautiful girl who can play boy, both boy and girl in this movie and happens to look like the star of the hit movie from the year before. Yeah. It all kind of came together for him with the casting of Joyce Heiser in this. We got William Zabka in this movie, man. The all-time great 80s high school Anglo bad guy. He's great, man. He's great here is uh, Greg Tolan. It's like this part of his triple threat, right? This is, I was going to mention that later. It's the the William, they call it, what what do they call it? The William Zabka bad guy trilogy, I think is what they call it. (laughs) It should be. They should come out with like a 4K. It's called the William Zabka bully trilogy. Yes. He was Johnny Lawrence in The Karate Kid, Greg Tolan here in Just One of the Guys, and then Chaz in Back to School. I would say of the three, this is probably his worst, to be honest. I, yeah, I, I, but I still think he's great in this. But oh, yeah. If you got to rank sh- him. They should have given him more to do. I agree. But it is still funny that the one thing they do give him to do is put on the workout gloves. When oh, yeah. He's just being a total bully. It's just it's such a dumb jock thing to do. Yeah, it's like, who's the sponsor? Yeah. <laughs> sponsor those gloves. Right. Are those Under Armour gloves? The working out, yeah, the workout gloves are priceless. You can't say enough about Buddy. I wrote down Buddy, 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 Billy Jacoby, later known as Billy Jane. Uh, he changed his last name at some point, but here credited as Billy Jacoby. Uh, here was a case of then and now, Bill Bant, for me watching him because going into this rewatch, you know, you're looking forward to every scene he's in. He's got all the great lines. He steals all the scenes. He's way over the top, but it's still fun. And he is completely, he's hypersexual. And all he can think about is sex and talk about sex and getting laid and finding, getting the girl. So you're all, you're expecting it. I was watching this going, as soon as he shows up, it felt a little bit staged. He felt a little bit forced. I was like, oh boy, is this not going to be as funny as I remember it? Or is he going to not be as charming as I remember? And interestingly enough, he, for me, this is again, just my opinion. And my initial thought here is that he grew on me as the movie went. I felt like he warmed up to the role and became a slightly more natural, even though his character is naturally over the top, he still embraced it a bit more later on uh, in the film. So he was better in the second half for me than the first half. But uh, again, that's a kind of a then and now thing where I just now it was like, Oh, the performance is a little bit stiff in the beginning very actory or, or uh, staged and then kind of. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I did read that they actually filmed this in chronological order. So that would make total sense. What to I was going to say. Thank you for saying that because that was my next comment. Just the fact that they actually shot this chronologically. So I, that's my theory is that he got better as the movie progressed, as the shoot progressed. But he's still really funny. I mean, he's got, like I said, all the great lines. One of the classic lines being, all balls itch. It's a fact. Love that line. So he wears a shit-eating grin for the almost the entire movie. Literally, like he's got a grin the entire movie. 
there's a funny little moment here. It's just, a, I'm going to throw this out here as an initial thought. When Terry uh, is now posing as a boy and she's at Sturgis Wilder High School, she's in the locker room and she doesn't want to change in front of the boys, of course. So she sets off the fire alarm extinguishers and all the guys run out as the alarm is going off. There's a kid running out who has an umbrella. Look at that. Way to be prepared. It's hilarious. It's just a great little moment. Here's a testament to Buddy and maybe Billy Jacoby, because I don't know if you caught this, Bill, but all the girls that are in scenes with Buddy can't uh-huh. seem to help but laugh. They're all on the verge of laughing. They're like smiling. Right. And one thing I appreciated is that he had great chemistry, in my opinion, with uh, Joyce. Oh, I agree. plays the sister. They're great together. Yeah, I agree. And she is smiling the whole time he's delivering his lines. And I don't know. And it's great because she really, it seems like she really loves him and she knows he's a character and she knows he's going through puberty and what it, you know, what it's like to be really be a teenage boy. Yeah. I agree with you hundred percent on that. I felt the same way. I'm like, it's my annoying little brother, but I love him to death. and I would do anything for him. So he's just stupid. And that's just how he is. I get it. Yeah. I did like their chemistry together. And we'll talk about, you know, there's, there's a scene in particular, but she, it seems like she's on the, the brink of laughing the whole time. And there's a couple other scenes where there's the algebra scene, where there's a girl comes over and they're doing their homework together. And, and she's like smiling as he's doing his thing. And you can tell like, he's just, he's putting on a show the whole time. Last but not least, a little quick shout out to Sherilyn Fenn, the young 20 year old or 19 or 20 year old Sherilyn Fenn, I believe. Uh, in this movie. Was this her first movie? Was this her debut? Oh, I forgot to check that out. I think she had a movie, bef- one or two before this, maybe only one, but uh, very cute in this movie as Sandy in love with the boy version of Terry. Yes. Uh, or she, I should say she falls for, it. maybe not falls in love with, but yeah, Sherilyn Fenn, who would then later go on to stardom in Twin Peaks. And that's all I got for my initial. Did you have any other initial thoughts, Bill Bant? Um, Just to piggyback on what you said about Billy Jane was I was afraid going into this that I was going to hate him this time and find him annoying. Right. And luckily I did not. And then it's funny when I was looking on IMDb IMDb, and then a picture like, I don't know how recent the picture was. And I was like, damn, that guy's good looking. I don't think he has any problem getting girls now. Right. It's like he's a (laughs) handsome looking guy. Yeah. And then even that one scene where he has the the friend coming over to like help with the homework and he's in the robe. Right. And I'm looking, I'm like, damn, he's like buff. Kyle. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's six pack and everything. I'm like, I never freaking look like that. Ever. Right. <laughs> My best days. Yeah. Me neither. Not even in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. Jesus. How much is this kid working out? And he's not getting ladies. I don't right. know what's wrong with him. That must be the delivery. <laughs> I don't know. Cause I was like, he's a good looking guy. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I was, yeah. I was like, if this guy ain't getting any, I'm never going to get any. That's what, <laughs> that's what I, that's what I kind of learned from watching this movie. Nice. I was like, that's a long way for me. This movie made you feel bad about yourself. It that's, did. That's, that's it not did. right. No. Well, I'm just going to say this right up front. Uh, this is actually going to be my final initial thought. I had really had fun rewatching this. This is not a perfect movie. This is not a gr- like the greatest 80s coming of age uh, high school movie by any stretch of the imagination. But this movie, again, I think it, it was a little bit of a shaky start. But once it got rolling for me about, yeah, that 30, 40 mark, maybe right when they finally 
told us where their parents were was when I started was like, okay, I'm getting into this. This is fun. This is definitely fun. A lot of it's on the surface and we will kind of get into that later. I've got some questions for you, Bill, mm-hmm. but um, I had fun watching this. Oh, and by the way, not Sherilyn Finn's first film. It's right. Like okay. Fourth. Oh, okay. There but probably one of her bigger roles at that point though. All right. So that um, takes us to favorite scenes or moments. What are some Absolutely. of our favorite scenes and moments from uh, just one of the guys? I like, I like how you said that so inquisitively. What would, how, you know, did you, did you find one of the scenes to be a favorite of you? Our listeners want to know. I'm going to start right off with the scene I'm calling Buddy Shows Terry How to Be a Guy. This is uh, definitely one of my favorite scenes. Uh, this is a very memorable scene for many uh, that are fans of this movie because Terry has decided that she's being treated unfairly at her present high school. That being uh, was Edwina Pearl High School because she's turned in a journalism piece that was to be part of a contest to do an internship at the local paper for the summer. And her teacher chose uh, two other guys over her. And she felt that was a sexist choice. And because she's a good looking girl, they don't see her the same way as other. Anyway, and that. And that that right there just shows you this is an 80s film because she wants to work for a newspaper. Mm. So right there, you know, off the bat, I'm like, oh, yeah, this is 80s. (laughs) So she's going to prove to them that she's going to go to the opposing high school, which is also having the same contest for this internship at the local paper. And uh, but she's going to pose as a guy to prove that if she were a guy, then they would take her more seriously because she actually is a talent. At least she believes she's a very talented writer and deserves to win this contest and uh, get this internship. So she uh, decides to show her younger brother, Buddy, that she can play the role of a boy that she can do. that She can pull it off. Buddy is like, there's no way you can do this. and he's going to show her the ropes a little bit. So she, buddy shows her how to stand and then how to get loose, loosen up her arms and then how to stand kind of push her hips out a little bit or to the side and then how to itch your balls. And it's great because he full on grabs his package and does the shift. He picks up his, like his package. I'm sure you can imagine. And he shifts from left to right. And then the ball itch and she does this, you know, really funny scratch on her crotch. She's, he's like, no, that's not how you do it. She's like, well, what if my balls don't itch? And he's like, all balls itch. It's a fact. <laughs> and yeah, as a guy, I can tell you, it is a fact. fact. So it is relatable. And again, great scene because Joyce, the actress, AKA uh, Terry, Terry is laughing this whole time. And you can see the brother and sister relationship here, which is great. And then, of course, he shows her how to do the walk and he does this strut and he says, say, baby, what's happening? I'm a lean, mean sex machine and that be the way it is. And then she does it and mimics him and uh, says it with a lot of attitude. It's it's great. So that's just a fun little scene where we see Terry beginning the transformation she's now going to, and she's putting out a voice. She's deepening her voice too. So she's going to become this guy and it, she might just be able to pull it off, but buddy in a way steals the scene still. Um, so first favorite scene. Yeah. It was a little bit of an eye roll moment. Cause you know, he's going over the top, 
But when he was telling oh, her how totally. to stand and did the whole thing, like make some space, you got that right. Mm-hmm. I was like, that is the difference between how guys stand and girls stand. So I was like, all right, you nailed that. Right. Everything else you were totally off on. But yeah, yeah you nailed how to stand. Take some space. So I'll, I'll give him that one, but everything else. Yeah. Terry, just throw that out the window as right, the wrong right. person to ask. So for me, my first favorite scene, or you could even say moment is, um, is Terry's first day at school when she meets mm-hmm. Rick, Rick Morehouse. Yeah. Who becomes uh, her, her secret little crush. You find out throughout the film. Surprise, surprise. So Terry shows up to school at wild Sturgis Wilder the first day and, She's all in her guy gear trying to pose as as a boy. And um, she comes across, uh, unfortunately, Billy Zapka, Greg Tolan. And um, he's, of course, doing his bullying on a kid. And Terry starts laughing at it. And Greg's like, who the hell are you? Why are you even looking at me? And then throws Terry into Into the bushes, to the bushes, where we see on the other side is Rick. And you can see Rick's kind of kind of hiding because you find out like that Rick's only been there for about three months. He's he's unfortunately one of these kids who moves around a lot. Right. He goes from school to school. So he's he was probably the latest new guy that's had to go through all this abuse from Greg. So he just knows to kind of keep his distance. Right. But it was really funny because he kind of explains to Terry who Greg is. And then at the, at the very end, he just you know shakes hands, introduces himself and just says something to the effect like, don't confuse me with Gregor yeah. so you don't, confuse- don't get us confused yeah don't get us confused it was just a funny line because you could totally see their exact opposites right Greg's the dick Rick's kind of the quiet guy yeah you're not gonna have any issues so I just I just like how that scene and how he just kind of threw that line at the end after he greeted it's and then just kind of walks off yeah so I, I had liked that moment I guess it'd be a moment more than a scene of the film I'll have to say this when Terry wore the glasses yeah I bought it more as a guy, but every time the glasses came off, yeah, people are going to figure that out. It's still, she's still a little too pretty. There's a, yeah, yeah it's tough. It's a little bit of, you got to go with it. This is a movie where you just have to go with it. And those yeah. outfits don't draw attention to yourself. That's true. Yeah. She's trying to be a little bit too stylish. Yeah. Even as a guy. It's a good point. But yeah, that is a, it's a good scene. It's a funny scene because it is Greg Tolan, his introduction as the bully. And mm-hmm. you'd have the standard where he's like pretending as well. Part of his workout, his daily workout is basically bullying. So he gives one yes. kid a wedgie, but he picks him up by the back of his pants doing like it's an exercise. Like he's lifting this kid off the ground by the back of his pants, thus giving him a huge wedgie. And that's part of his workout. And then I think he calls it, which is this is totally so forgive me, like not PC, but he said, I think it's the pussy toss. Is that what he says? Yes. And that's why Craig, because yep. he calls uh, Terry a pussy or whatever. He's like, I mean, so he tosses him, her. Yeah. Bushes. Yeah. yeah. In a way, it's almost literal. Yeah. <laughs> think about it. Right. Uh, not very PC. No, no. Yeah, so establishing characters right off the bat. We get to know Greg, and then we get to know Brick, and we know where that's going. So um, one of my other favorite, this is just a moment, is Buddy talking to his mom on the phone. Oh, Jesus, yeah. Did, <laughs> so you, write, I, did you write that quote down? I did. I, I, I did. thought you would, yeah. <laughs> I guess it's just, 
It's just great. Because Buddy and Terry, is we, we, they're home alone. Their parents are away on a two-week vacation. I found this in the research that they're in the Caribbean. I don't think they actually say that in the movie. But mom calls. Buddy says, I'll get it. So he picks up the phone. Buddy just says, hello? Hey, yo, scumbag. Hey, yeah, su- suck your own. Eat me. Same to you, butt face. And he hangs up the phone. Mom says hi. Yeah. Again, he's got all the great lines. I was like, please tell me you're joking. Please tell me you're joking. <laughs> God. Hey, you scumbag. Hey, suck your own. That's, <laughs> that's my favorite. Because like, you can only imagine what if their mom is super cool and she's a total shit talker. And so when, as soon as he picks up the phone, he, she's like totally talking shit. Like that's their oh, yeah. repartee. Like that's the rapport. Mm-hmm. They're back and forth. Like they're super cool. And so she's saying on the under and like, Oh yeah. Hey, what's up scumbag. And he's like, Hey, yo scumbag. And then she's like, go suck your dick or something like that. And he's like, suck your own, <laughs> you know, like that just like, that's where my, my mind's going. It's just kind of funny. Uh, Same to you, butt face. Mom says hi. Uh, yeah, I was just hoping it was the wrong number and he was just right. cracking a joke there. You were saying, uh, Buddy's ripped. This kid, this teenage kid, he's ripped, man. This Buddy is in good shape, man. There's the scene where he's preparing for Linda, another student, the high school, to come over and work on her algebra homework with him. Mm-hmm. And he's like, he's just lips. He's, he's not lip he's singing. And he's got this robe around and he's like half naked the whole movie. It's pretty funny. He's wearing this, these boxers. And it's just a funny moment to me because he is just wearing the, like the silk robe over the white boxers. And he's got a pipe shoved into the boxers, <laughs> a smoking pipe. It's just great. I just love that moment. I'm just like, what, why do you like, cause he's trying to be sexy and demure or so, or like uh, more mature. So he has a pipe that he's going to chew on. Anyway, do you got any uh, some more favorite moments or scenes you want to bring up? Yeah, I like it's kind of like a, a two part thing where so really the whole point of the film is Cherry is, like I said, trying to get this internship with this newspaper and she submits this article to the teacher. It doesn't get picked. So she confronts the teacher and the teacher's trying to explain to her why he didn't pick the article. But he flubs it big time because he's like, oh, you know, maybe journalism is not for you. Maybe back up. You should be a model. And I was like, oh, God, why? Right. Who would ever say that as a teacher to it? I don't care how attractive the, the girl is. So, of course, it sets her off thinking, you know, she didn't get picked for her looks and that she's going to be fine doing something else anyway. So she doesn't need to be a journalist. So hence why she goes to the other school. So she turns in the article again to the other school and the other teacher rejects it also. And what I liked about it was, okay, your theory was wrong, right? but at least this teacher explained to you what was wrong with the article and what you need to do. If you want to improve, he's like, you know, your writing's really good, but there's like no meat in this. This is just bare bone facts. And he's like, there's no, kind of emotion there's nothing you're just like you're not in the article and that's what he's trying to tell her it's like yeah you're a good writer but you need to put yourself in the article and that really sets her off to try to now stay at the school and write about her experience as trying to pose as a young man at a school 
So I, I like that. I like how that kind of set it in motion, how she really just thought she's just going to show up for one day, be a man, young man, hand in the article, going to get her internship. And no, there had to be another step for her, him to get where they needed to go. So I thought that was kind of cool that she, at this time that the teacher knew how to explain it the right way. It's interesting. There's an interesting juxtaposition, uh, juxtaposition here. Uh, it's funny that you said you're talking about the, the first teacher, the first her journalism teacher at her high school where she's been attending as a girl. And he has the wrong approach. But I still felt like he was initially saying to her that what she wrote was good. She's a good writer. It just didn't have the first of all, the topic she was writing about the nutritional value of cafeteria food right. wasn't like a hot topic yeah. and it just didn't have a lot of edge. And if she wanted to get noticed or her piece get noticed, it's just got to have a little bit more oomph. And regardless, then he goes off, you know, a little bit and says, if you can't be a journalist, you should have something to fall back on, like being a model, which is the wrong thing to say, of course. Then goes to the other high school to prove a point that now she's posing as a boy. Now all of her problems will be solved because the issue was sexism. And now that she's a boy, her article, like you said, the article will be accepted into the contest and win and win basically. But what my takeaway was that that teacher said, again, you're a good writer, but you can add, there needs to be more depth to this. And I thought it was interesting because he says, don't be afraid to have some sensitivity to be more sensitive, right. which as if you should be more in touch with your feminine side. Yeah. So it just went against everything she was trying to do. She's trying to be a guy now. And this teacher is telling her to be more in touch with her feminine side. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, what the hell? So I thought that was, that was kind of an interesting it got flipped on her in that yeah. moment. And then it was wasn't, like you said, uh, just, you don't expect it. Right. And then it was good to learn. Like, I mean, technically both teachers were basing it on the merit of the article. Not if you mm-hmm. were a, you know, a man or a woman, it was the work. That's right. what they were looking at. And she was thinking this was sexism and it really wasn't right. But at the same time, she's going through her own lesson too, just to see what it's like to live as the other half. So Right. And then discovers that's where the real story is. It's just she has to, as you know, as a writer, Bill, you got to write from what you know. It's your your personal experience. It's what Mm -hmm. you can bring to it. And then that's what she realizes along her journey. Go ahead. Was there something else you wanted to say? Sorry, man. No, nope. I was finished. Okay. I was about to ask you what your next favorite scene or moment was. Yeah, I was going to say. My number two favorite scene is the cafeteria scene starring Rick, Rick Morehouse, where the bully, the bully Greg gets his comeuppance. I love this scene because we've been watching Greg walk around the cafeteria and to the custodian's dismay, he keeps lifting the long tables up and and spilling everybody's food because everybody puts their food trays down on the long tables and William Zapka as Greg, the bully comes along, puts on his workout gloves, lifts one end of the table up and the trays slide off the table onto the ground, spilling all the food. And he keeps threatening it to do it. So he's obviously done this several times because when he approaches a table, everybody lifts their food trays off of the table because they know what he's about to do. And then um, so he's just walking around threatening to do it. 
So in this particular scene, Rick, who has been kind of the quiet nerd in the background, who has now formed a friendship with Terry, who is posing as a boy at this point, and they've become friends. Rick says, you know what? I'm not putting up with this anymore. I'm not going to deal with this bully. And he gets up onto his table. He literally stands on top of his cafeteria table and makes this grand speech and calls out Greg. And he says, you know, when did you first have an issue with food? Was it, you know, were you a messy baby? And uh, did you play with your food as a kid? And obviously you are, you became a bully because you're covering for certain things. Either it's a lack of IQ or a small wiener. Obviously everybody groups around and they're rallying behind Rick and they're laughing at Greg now. So the tables, haha, get this, the tables have turned. Yes. It's just a fun scene because you get to see the underdog get the best of the, the bully. And now you know Rick, who's already gotten somewhat of a makeover by Terry. Yes. Uh, he's, he's looking good. And now he's gotten one up on the bully and he's going to be the star. And this scene is actually followed by another brief scene where he asks Deborah to the prom. And Deborah was the girlfriend of Greg. So Rick really wins the day. It's just one of those where it's like, yeah, that's one for the good guys right there. Uh, so I yeah. enjoyed that scene. Yep. Rick grows some itchy brass balls. Yeah. <laughs> some itchy cojones. That's kind of surprising how Rick makes that quick transformation and, and calls out Greg right there like that. I was like, oh, boy. Yeah, you get a little scared for him. Yeah. But they go, I mean, they do go mano a mano later on. And, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, you do find out that uh, Rick, Rick can hold his own. So Yeah, you realize why he's got big, itchy cojones. Kid knows how to fight, apparently. Mm-hmm. Do we find out he was like an army brat or why he moved all the time? We just we just mentioned he moves all the time, correct? Yeah, that's I thought he did say something about his dad. Oh, no. Yeah. I don't know, because then they just mentioned the whole thing when they go to his house and he just says about his mom. Right. So I don't know. Maybe his parents are split. Yeah, we're going to have to develop Rick's backstory. Yep. Another parent we don't meet. All right. <laughs> um, did you have another favorite scene? No, that was it. Okay. Yeah, my third favorite scene was, uh, this is where I, it's kind of like a, a farcical, it turns into like this farcical comedy where uh, Terry is at home with Buddy and she's getting ready for a hot date with her college boyfriend. There was another stereotype, like 80s movie, oh, high school yeah, stereotype, college, college boyfriend, God. little adventures and babysitting flashback. Yep. And Kevin's going to come over. So she, uh, now Terry is is getting all gussied up and she's looking good. She's got her white faux leather skirt and ensemble going on. And then, of course, Sandy shows up from the other high school who knows her as boy Terry. Yes. So she's got to do a quick change, turn back to boy Terry. In order to uh, confront Sandy, and then you've got sex crazed buddy in the mix, uh, who's going after Sandy because Sandy's there to have sex with boy Terry. <laughs> it gets very confusing, and then Kevin shows up, and she has to do the quick change back to girl Terry. And Kevin's upset with her because they were supposed to go to a fancy restaurant, and all hell's like breaking loose. And it, I, I think that seems fun because you get some good buddy in there because Buddy's really coming on hard to Sandy, who's half naked and his bedroom with all the playboy centerfolds posted on the walls and then hijinks ensue in that scene. Yeah. Cause that's funny too. Cause Sandy thinks buddy's room is Terry's room. Right. So, and then the fact she brought fish, I thought that was kind the of kissing strange. fish. Yes. <laughs> yes. 
It's like, wow. And this is one of those scenes too, where you really see Buddy just loving every moment. When I talk about shit eating grin, he loves watching other people in misery, especially his sister being caught in these tough like spots. He keeps smiling and playing into it. And (laughs) it's like, it's, it's great stuff. Uh, So that's my third favorite scene. A couple other uh, favorite moments would be uh, Greg ultimately like really getting his come. um, We talked about this because Rick kicks the crap out of him in the big uh, fist fight at the end of the, the prom uh, scene, uh, which is like outdoors on a beach. It was kind of cool. Yeah. That's a nice nice little location. And this moment, Rick punches Greg, Greg, eats shit big time. He goes fly, like, it's a great stunt. He goes flying face first right into the punch bowl mm-hmm. and like goes over the table and his head still in the punch table when he lands on the sand on the other side. Yeah. It's great. It's a great moment. Like he hits that punch bowl hard. So kudos to you stunt man or yes. William Zapka, if you did your own stunt and uh, last but not least, here's my last favorite moment. I got to say it, man. It's the buddy. In me, you brought it up earlier, Bill. The boobs, the boobs. Yeah, I had to say it's quite a quite a reveal. Uh, and uh, again, as a teenage boy, yeah, this is the moment. Uh, it's the big moment where Terry, after he she he she see I'm so confused here. She befriends Rick, but she's posing as a boy. She slowly but surely falls for Rick because she gets to know him. And he's a good dude. And she becomes increasingly attracted to him. And at the very end, at the end of prom, even though she's dressed in a tux and still is posing as boy, Terry, she reveals to him that she's in love with him and that she's a girl. And Rick thinks she's about to reveal that she's this a gay man, a gay boy. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, I'm a woman. And he won't believe her. He doesn't believe her. So last resort. She pulls open her shirt to reveal the boobs. Well, at 11 years old, that changed my life. Yes. <laughs> that was definitely better than the reveal of Superboy Camp. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> that I had a, oh, man. Oh, I stole <laughs> it. No, I, I was going to say something later on. But ah, that was better. No, your, your, right. yours is better. Damn it. So, See, this isn't rehearsed, people. Yeah, I you know, and again, uh, this is a very, very guy perspective, and I don't mean to reinforce the object uh, object objectification of women here, but and I guess there there is some stuff in the trivia that it did take some convincing for her to do that scene. Oh yeah, she initially but, uh, did not want to do that. Yeah, understandably. Yeah, no, I get but, it too. But the female director, Lisa Gottlieb, convinced her, said, "No, this is what." She would have to do. She's kind of put in a spot here where she's got it. It's the only way she can prove to Rick that she's a woman. So that's what they ended up doing. Are we ready to move on? We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Or did you have... Go ahead, man. What do you got? I'll pseudo-jump to complaints with this. Because did you really buy 
that Terry was falling for Rick. He is a good guy. Mm-hmm. And he is he does kind of have like a little dorkiness that's cute. But then her boyfriend. Right. Mr. Wonderful. Kevin. Like he's kind of a dick, but he's not like full on asshole. No. Why? Like at the beginning of the movie, just say how much you love Kevin. And then you're falling really fast for Rick right. there. Like fast. I mean, she's only at school for what? A week? Two weeks, maybe? Correct. Yeah, this is is a great call, Bill. It's a great point to bring up. And I completely agree with you. And I think this is a problem, an overall problem that this movie has is with the characterizations because they're not specific enough. And the so then there are some superficial aspects to these characters as well. And the arcs, just their arcs overall, whether it's a relationship arc or, a, or an individual character arc, they're not deep. They're just touched. These things are touched upon the surface. So you're not either invested or you don't buy it. And I, that's one of the arcs you just don't completely buy. It's like, what did he do to make her fall for him? Meaning what did Rick do that was so special, extraordinary for her to make her fall for him? Was it, what was it that she saw in him that was so endearing or that enamored her? And I agree with you. There's just not enough time that goes by for all that to happen. But she all of a sudden is just realizing, especially once Rick asks Deborah to the prom is like, oh, and then she's immediately jealous. Yeah. There's not a lot there, but it's a great point you bring up because that's the issue I had too with, uh, we were talking about the journalism teachers, right? The first one who was just trying to tell her that it's the writing that he has an issue with, but then does make a sexist comment. Absolutely. uh, You know, was in the wrong to make that comment, but he still comes off as a, an okay guy. She does thank him at the end. Right. And see, that was the thing is I have this in my, yeah, let's, we can just jump right to complaints. I mean, we're in it. So this was one of my like potential Swiss cheese moments because I think it's a a big deal because this is the inciting action. This is the, the catalyst. This is what gets her to go on her journey. Right. Is this moment, the journalism teacher, uh, Mr. Raymaker has decided not to choose her piece for the contest or to win the contest. And he's kind of nice about it until he makes the comment. I'm not defending the comment about her being a model. And let's just say that that scene is uh, preceded by a scene between Mr. Raymaker and another teacher who is making a very sexist comment about Terry. So that's way in the wrong. But even in that moment, Mr. Raymaker is defending her a little bit by saying to that teacher, be careful, you're going to get fired, mm-hmm. basically, for saying that stuff. And then comes in and is trying to tell her her piece. It's not that she's not a good writer. It's just the material itself, what she'd chosen to write about, isn't edgy enough. Anyway, he wasn't a bad guy. Like, he wasn't specific enough to me. Like, if he had been a little bit more, maybe if he was, the like, really actually very sexist, I would have bought the fact that she was like, I'm going to show you. And then at the end kind of gets her like so-called revenge on him, but they took a different path with him. Like you said, he's more of a good guy who made a bad comment. And then he kind of learns his lesson in the end because she comes back to the high school and he apologizes to her. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of, Oh, isn't that nice? He also 
learned something. Yeah. I don't know. Didn't work as well. So, but that was a hole for me because it was like, she kind of took this whole thing and ran with the sexist pro or take on it. And I was like, did he, was he, was Mr. Raymaker being an ass to her? Again, I'm not defending the model comment. Correct. He wasn't a jerk. I, I'm, I'm walking a fine line here. I realize that. Well, I but. think it's sometimes, you know, you hear one thing and you're yeah. focused on it so much, you're not hearing everything else. Right. And I think that's the moment that she had. But, I mean, we find out that they do have a history together. He's always helped her. Right. But she's so focused on getting this job at the paper that this roadblock, a mountain out of a molehill kind yeah. of thing. And to show him up when, if she had just listened to him, maybe she would have understood what she needed to do. Mm-hmm. But I think at the same time, too, she, I don't think she would have been able to submit another article. So, in essence, she had to go to the other school. It is a little out there. Yeah, it's just back to your original comment. And I agree with you that I don't necessarily buy the fact that she falls for Rick. Right. So I think that's a valid point. She doesn't have, there's not enough time. He doesn't do it. It kind of reminds me of Can't Buy Me Love. We were talking about that relationship too, when she falls for him, for Patrick Dempsey in that movie. Yeah. We're like, wait, what did, what did he do that was so great to make her fall for, you know, it's kind of similar in that way. And then again, you just, you mentioned Kevin, who's the college boyfriend in this movie. He's a bit of a tool in a couple scenes. He has moments where he's a bit of a jerk, but he's not, in over the top, like he's not an asshole versus Bradley Whitford in Adventures in Babysitting. He's a dick. Yeah. He's just an outright dick. And you're like, yeah, I'm going to root against that guy. Yeah. Greg is more of a dick. Than, oh, yeah. The bull. Yeah. Right. In this. Yeah. Absolutely. Than, that, than that's Kevin like, is. okay. We know we got a grasp on that as an audience. We, we know we can. I'm not saying all characters have to be black and white like that, but in this particular uh, story, it would have helped, I think, a little bit. Yeah, Kevin needed to do something to her to really yeah. like put it over the line, right? And then see Rick for who what he was, and like you know what? I don't need this kind of guy. I need this kind of guy. So that, things that are, are just me. there's a lot of things, whether it be character development or we're talking about arcs, individual character arcs uh, like that. But uh, they're a little bit hazy. And the movie flows along and there's hijinks and Sue and Buddy's great and he's funny and, you know, they get away with it. It's still very entertaining. But then also at the end, I'm left with she actually writes the article, right, that she submits that mm-hmm. ends up getting winning the contest from the other high school and she gets the job. And what was the name of the article again? I was a teenage boy. I think Something so. Along those lines. And my question to you, Bill Bant, and this is. The, the crux of it is what's the message that, what did she learn? I, I don't know if we, we ever find out because we don't get to see the article or hear it or anything, which is a big problem. Yeah. That's a hole in this movie for me, because what's the message? What's the point of the entire journey that what mm-hmm. was her discovery? Was that it's tough being a guy too, that it's whether you're a boy or a girl coming of age is hard. Um, there's trials and tribulations that it's not about your sexual identity. It's not about your gender. It's about something deeper inside of you. It's about, it's more about your character. 
Yeah. But did that fully come across? It just turned out to be kind of a superficial love story that I guess. Uh, do you know what I'm saying? No, I agree too. I, the message doesn't hit home if yeah. there's supposed to be one about sexual identity or uh, gender identity, right? Right. Which, you know, was or, very or hush. Issues with sexism and, and. Yeah, which is very hush hush. Misogyny, you know? Yeah. You didn't have people coming out or we didn't know about transgenders or cross-dressing or right. any of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, it really could have got it could have been the forefront of that. And it kind of missed that opportunity, I felt like. I will give this film a little bit of credit, though. They handled some of the the like the homosexual overtones or well, not even overtones. They deal with it head on uh, quite. They deal with it somewhat delicately. This film is not PC. It does that stuff does not. There's certain things that will not hold up today, would not hold up today. Right. uh, With this movie. But I'll give it some credit because of the generation, the age that it did come out, like in 85, because there's a lot of other movies that like we we did Breakfast Club, for instance. And there's a couple of moments and a couple of words spoken in that movie, which are not okay Mm -hmm. uh, today, nor were they okay then. But I mean, it was good that Rick was accepting of the fact that he thought Terry was gay. He didn't have a problem with that. There was no No. issue with that. It was just, but then, you know, what scene wouldn't fly today is then when she kisses him in front of everyone and everyone else still thinks she's a guy and says to everybody, don't worry, it's okay. She has tits. Right. Which is a funny line. Yeah. But in today's age, we'd go, well, it'd be okay if she didn't have tits. Doesn't matter, right? You under you know where I'm saying what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. It still felt it felt like they were making an effort. Let's just put it that way mm-hmm. with some of the, the more delicate issues. But on a lighter note, um, not to get too deep here with just one of the guys. Another hole I had. Hey man, do you, can you just transfer high schools on the drop of a dime? Is that well, the not, thing? Not even that. It was. I don't think Terry ever technically transferred. Oh, maybe, maybe. How do you enroll? She left her high school for a week and went to another high school. I which well, okay. So she went in with the same name. I guess it's going different gender. So wouldn't the other school be like oh, Terry's been out for a while? I wish we kind of figured out how that happened. You playing sick for the one school? Right. It just like it was like yeah. Oh. No problem. And then later on, I love it because when she's in the cafeteria with Rick and Buddy shows up to say, hey, your uh, your true love showed up this morning to pick you up for school, but you weren't there. Kavina, yeah. which is really funny because yes. he's talking about Kevin, but he's covering for Terry and says, yeah, your, your true love, Kavina, which is a great moment because she's like, Kavina just adores you and your, your ripped muscles and your hairy chest and go, go, go on, show them your hairy chest. Yeah. I love that line. Yeah. Cause I don't think she, she technically ever leaves the other school because even Denise at one point's like, Oh, can you just stop the charade and come back to school? Right. So, but my point in that scene is buddy shows up at the other school to tell and just had left his high school and comes over to their high school to hang out and check out the babes. Yep. Like, was the, are these high schools across the street from one another and you just kind of co-mingle? 
and yeah. nobody cares when you're in class or when you're not, and you just leave for a couple of days. Guys and girls out there, I get it. You skip school, you cut class, you go out on the town. Here it seemed like they were just on lunch break and they were going back. I, c- I couldn't do that in my school. So I don't know. It just seemed a little bit too easy for Terry to go to the new high school, assume another identity as a boy, or I don't know how she did it, but yeah, got to go with it. Just go with it. That's a little cheese for me. Yeah. Yeah. Little, uh, little Swiss cheese. So uh, I've got some complaints, not a ton, but did you want to go into the complaints department right now or? Yeah. All right. All right. So my first one, uh, cause we're talking about Greg and he's always doing the, you know, table list of the food and stuff like that. It's like, did this school not have like lunch monitors? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I think. Greg. Is there just no <laughs> detention again? Stop knocking over everybody's food. You're expelled. Just go home. Would the janitor say something? Hey, uh, you got this student? I'm picking up his shit every day. Can someone talk to him? It's so great because you see the janitor making the face. I assume yeah. it's the janitor. He's like, oh, God. I'm Here we go again. Got to clean up Greg's mess that he's about to create. And the funniest moment is when later on, when Rick does his big speech and has all the other kids lift up their tables uh, in defiance of Greg to just spill all their food all over him. And you just see that shot of the janitor being like, oh, my God. Yeah, because most of the students are on the fact that they know to pick up their food and stand up. Mm-hmm. So he's been doing this for a while. Yeah. And he's never been disciplined for it. I'm assuming he's a senior. He, he so rules the school, years, man. Four years of this. He should be in the breakfast club with uh, Ali Sheedy and uh, Anthony Michael Hall right now. <laughs> yeah. Confessing, crying. Part of the breakfast club. Knocked over these kids' tables. Because my dad made me with, do it. Uh, yeah. He would have gotten along with Andy. Yeah, he would have. That's great. Uh, so, yeah, here's a complaint. I'm just going to say it again. Where the fuck are the parents? No, we know, know they're just, quote unquote, out of town which we don't learn for about until about 40 minutes in the movie. But, you know, is this just was clearly an eighties movie trope, right? So was it just that the writers in the eighties felt that if the parents, the writers of the movie, they're like the screenwriters, if they fear, did they fear that the, if the parents were around, it just meant the kids couldn't get into mischief and thus you wouldn't have a movie. I mean, is that just the bottom line? Yeah. Because then it's how does Terry get just lame if parents are around. It's all about, I mean, now that I think about it, makes I mean complete sense. If you're making a teenage high school drama or comedy, it's about relating to the kids and what they're going through and who needs the parents around. Right. Either your parents are gone or they're the stupidest two parents on the face of the planet. That's basically what it comes down to. Right. So they didn't want to do stupid parents or like, all right, we'll just send the parents away. Unless it was a movie about teenage kids going through, like it's a relationship drama between kids and parents and having to parents having to deal with teenagers but uh that's just in the 80s the parents are just gone yep here's another complaint i have later on during that great prom that outdoor prom which looked really cool on the beach yeah uh, and by the way i guess it's supposed to be like phoenix yeah it's like where the hell where's that body of water so like waves you i don't know where the hell they are in phoenix but we've got denise who's being the dutiful friend and she's posing as Terry's date. Yes. And so while they're dancing at the prom, Denise is making eyes with, I should say, the guitarist of the band that's playing at the prom is mm-hmm. making eyes at Denise. 
and like being like, Hey, Hey, you want to meet, you know, come meet me off to the side after my, my set. No, it's like, not even off to the side. Isn't he like 30? Isn't she like 17 or 18? Maybe at most. She's probably like really times. like 20 something. So, but once again, this prom doesn't have any chaperones and a There's band no. guy is literally hitting on someone in the prom. Hello, chaperone. Guess what, band? <laughs> this is your last on. gig ever at a high school. Right. Hilarious. And by the way, I'm going to skip and go back. That The song that they're playing is called Hard Way. It's performed by Brock slash Davis. I don't mm-hmm. know who the hell they are, but the drummer really brought it for that scene. They It's like a three second. They cut to the drummer and he's just, he's going for it. He's rocking out with his cock out. Yeah. That's all I'm going to say. Totally committed. He's like going nuts on the drums. It's a two second shot. I'm just saying I noticed it. That's all there I'm saying. Go. All right. The Sturgis Wilder gym class. Is that like a four hour class where it takes them an hour and a half just to get dressed and ready? I was like, Jesus Christ, how long are you in the gym? Jim Lockham before you right. take class. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, that was like 20. That was like a 20 minute scene. Right. And then they still got a shower. How long is Jim? Like six minutes long? Yeah. Yep. Long enough for Terry to have a stomachache. Yes. Go to the nurse's office. That's hilarious. That did seem kind of elongated, that entire sequence. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was just another complaint. Again, just back with the high school going back and forth. At the very end, when Terry comes back to Edwina Pearl High, mm-hmm. and I'm like, they're like, oh, yeah, hey, welcome back. Where the fuck have you been? I know. Like, well, that would be my first question. You just disappeared for a week. What's up? Yeah. How did, how did you just leave and come back? Yeah. Well, isn't the yeah. school trying to contact someone? Be like, uh, yeah, your daughter's been out. Where's your doctor's note? I don't know. <laughs> That's all I got for complaints. You, what, what other complaints do you have, man? That- oh, no, that was it. Just, right. I mean, someone's going to find out. She's a girl if she's there that long you really do have to go with the premise yeah like i bought that sandy had a crush on terry i could see that but then when they go to the rock she's going to figure that out that the cave the cave yes she's going to figure it out that terry's not a young man (laughs) i agree i think they did a good job of you know look there's the hijinks ensue once again with this different scenes in the locker room, how she gets out of that scenario, uh, having to change in the locker room. And then, of course, the the bathroom situation and it's kind of like, oh, boy, she's going to hit some roadblocks here trying to pose as a boy. How is she going to get away with it? But then it was it enough. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Here's a good point. How does Sandy not have a date to the prom? Come on. Oh, yeah. Right. Run the punch bowl. Yeah. No way. No. Mm-mm. I mean. I saw what Reptile was bringing with him. <laughs> Sandy, you can get a date. Come on. No question. Yeah. No question. All right. You wanted, you wanted to talk about the music? Let's move on. Oh, yeah. Well, I had mentioned that that song. Music overall was just okay. There's a lot There's a lot of songs that use a lot of songs, and they're not a lot of recognizable songs. I, I felt the same way. I was like, I don't know any of these. No. However, I do like Ronnie Spector. I like her voice. Like, she sings the song in the final credits. It's used briefly in another sequence in the movie, but noticeably at the end during the final credits, a song called uh, Tonight You're Mine, Baby. 
Uh, I like that song a lot because it's a bit of a throwback. It's kind of like a, a slower version of Be My Baby by the Ronettes, mm-hmm. which was used in Dirty Dancing, which is not to be confused with the song Then He Kissed Me by the Crystals, which is from Adventures in Babysitting. Here we go. With, which has the greatest opening of all time with with the love of my life. That's the only reason why I want to talk about the music. I did think of you watching this when Terry got out of bed and she just oh, gets sure. up and she gets up <laughs> and she goes through the doors, like peeks over the patio or something, like mm-hmm. looks at the sky to make sure it's still there and then walks back in. And I just started laughing because <laughs> I was like, what the fuck was that? What is she doing? And I just started like, I was like, that was so weird. It was like, all right, Terry, we're going to have you get out of the bed, open the doors, briefly look on the patio and just come back in. Then I was like, is she going to start singing? I, oh yeah, I forget about this. I thought she was definitely going to do a little song and dance, and then it just cuts, and I was like, "That was just weird." Who who gets up and does that? I yeah, I don't know. I, I didn't know. necessarily mind. Yeah, if you, I, just, I know. If I you just, do, uh, just yeah, email us. <laughs> Good stuff, man. Are we moving on to our next segment? Yes. So you're done with the music that yeah, neither of us knew any of it. Yeah. Yeah, that soundtrack will not be in my collection anytime soon. All right, so let's move on to, hey, it's that actor. All right. So in this segment, we spotlight a character actor you have seen in many other films, an actor making their big screen debut, or an actor that makes an uncredited cameo. It's, hey, it's that actor. Who's going first on this? Uh, you do. You go first, man. Okay. I hear yours. All right. So mine is Katie Boyer who played Janine and she was the girl that Rick tried to ask out in the science lab, telling her that she had pretty eyes. <laughs> yes. But she's wearing sunglasses. Yeah. Even though she's wearing sunglasses. Correct. Right. So, um, so this was Katie. This was, yeah. Katie's a uh, big screen debut, her first, her first credit. And um, like, she is character, character actor. She's like small role. So yeah, she would have small roles in films and TV shows such as growing pains, tape heads, Star Trek The Next Generation, 21 Jump Street, The Lost World, Jurassic Park, The X-Files, Minority Report, and her last credited role was in 2013's Decoding Annie Parker. I know that's one of our favorite films. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't think anybody's seen that one. I have the Blu-ray right here. Yes. <laughs> the commentary is excellent. She's a character, yeah, like small roles. It's like mom, friend of. That's like how all her credits are. Sure. But yeah, this uh, this was her first movie. So I thought I'd give her a shout out. So Katie, Love it. Here, this one's for you. Way to be, Katie. Mine's a lot more obvious. I'm going to go with Kenneth Tiger. <laughs> I think it's Tigar. Tigger. As Mr. Raymaker, he was the journalism instructor, teacher uh, in the beginning of the film, and who then comes back at the end. And he learned his lesson and he has a little sweet scene there with Terry. Just a friendly face. Uh, love this character actor. Again, his name is Kenneth uh, Tiger, Tigar. Anyway, when I see his face, it's funny. If I think of a very, very small role that he had in a very big movie called Lethal Weapon 2. He plays Jarvis Becker. He's the bomb squad leader in the scene where Roger Murtaugh is stuck on the toilet. Because if he gets up, the damn thing's going to oh, blow crap. up. All right. Yeah. 
And uh, obviously Mel Gibson is Martin Riggs is there with Murtaugh and he's talking to him, uh, not talking to him down, but just talking to him, consoling him, saying, I'm here with you, man. We're going to get through this. Uh, but the bomb squad's got to come in while Murtaugh's on the t- toilet and they're trying to defuse the bomb or they're putting liquid nitrogen on it, et cetera. And the bomb squad leader is none other than Kenneth Tigers. Oh. Uh, he's got that face. And I always think he just exudes like this calmness sort of. He has a very character look, but he's uh, very well known. He's played so many roles as professors throughout the years. Uh, that's been where he's been typecast. Yeah, I think of him. I, I'm sure he was in one of the Star Treks. He was. That's, yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. He, he definitely had. A, yeah. He was. He was a nominee of mine. Yeah. He's been everything over the years. Still with yeah. us. Still working. Mm-hmm. Just a friendly face. He's that guy. Yeah, I saw that he was in Lethal Weapon too, but I couldn't remember what role he was. So I'm glad you uh, let us know. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. He's definitely. He's definitely a hate. It's that actor more than mine is. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I mean he's one you've just right, seen a lot of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, he's recognizable, and you're like, what yeah. do I know him from? Yeah, I'm just I'm just giving Katie a shout out. That's basically yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to give a real brief shout out to Clayton Roner, who played the role of Rick Morehouse, and the only reason is because he was on Miami Vice. Yes. Yeah, this is his. Yeah, it's his big screen debut too for this film. So. Yeah, he was on an episode called uh, Yankee Dollar, played the role Timmy Davis on yes. Miami Vice. At the great opening scene, when Cracker goes to pick up his girlfriend, who's a flight attendant. Oh, that's and one of my favorite openings. Yes. It's heartbreaking. Yes. But it's really well done. And Mike, the mechanic song's playing. Yeah. Yeah. And you find out that she's uh, carrying, it's heroin, right? She ingested yeah, she's it. got the bags in her stomach. Yeah, and, and one of them breaks, and yeah, she dies. Yeah, and that's Crockett says she was sober as a judge. Mm-hmm. Tough. Yep. Yeah. Great, great opening to a Miami Vice episode. Anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah we give a shout out to time. anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that was the college. Crockett's in the airport waiting for her to get off the plane. He's holding the flowers, and the girl walks by. He's like, "Are those for me?" Mm-hmm. Great music. That girl is better looking. But I digress. Okay, so let's. Uh, so that was hey inside actor. Let's move on to facts and trivia. There's some facts and trivia we have about just one of the guys. I'm going to rattle off a couple real quick. One, just one of the guys is a very, very, very loose adaptation of William Shakespeare's Twelfth Night. Uh, if you want to look up the research, you can see the correlation between the characters. This film ranked number 48 on Entertainment Weekly's list of the 50 best high school movies. I thought this was interesting. Uh, So Lee McClowski, who played Terry, boyfriend Kevin, was a classmate and a roommate of Kelsey Grammer. And they attended Juilliard. That's crazy. I I definitely want to put those two together. But I guess they're about the same age. They think about it. Yeah, if you think about... Kelsey Grammer in the 80s. I mean, I think, of course, Cheers as right. Frazier. Kelsey Grammer may have looked a little older than he was. Not by much, but he was still, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I didn't I look up, want to say that. I mean, I, yeah, I should have looked up how old Lee was because Joyce, she was 26 right. at the filming of this. So you figure he's probably close in age 
too. So let's say he's like 27. Him and Kelsey. Yeah, Kelsey could have been like 28, 29. Mm-hmm. So yeah, maybe, you know, senior, sophomore together. I can see it. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yep. Well, Bill Bant, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan. Mm-hmm. My man, I got a bunch of his albums on still on vinyl that I bought off of eBay years ago. Wow. Uh, but I've been a Springsteen fan ever since the summer of uh, 85, actually 84, 85 and born in the USA comes out. So I couldn't help but notice all the posters on Terry's walls in her room. Yes. And Joyce Heiser, the actress that plays Terry, has a lot of those posters up uh, because she'd already been dating Bruce Springsteen for several years. Crazy. Insane. So Mm -hmm. here's just the brief backstory. Springsteen saw Joyce Heiser at a party in L.A. during his 1978 tour. Bruce asked Gary Busey to introduce them, and she traveled with him on the rest of the tour. That's so she was like 18 then? Wow. I guess. And Gary Busey. <laughs> I know of all people. Uh, speaking of Lethal Weapon. Yes. Um, so one of the um, actresses that was up for this role, so I guess it was down to three and Joyce was one of them. The other one was Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah. Yeah, she was in the final three for this. Yeah. I think, uh, I, I think they went with the right choice. Yeah, that would have been a little different movie probably. I mean, it would have worked. Oh, sure. I, uh, man, I don't know. I, Jennifer Jason Lee is a plain a young man. Like, past times at Regiment High, I just, you know, she's really just like cute. Yeah, sure. So then this would be a couple of years later. Yeah, it's hard to picture. Yeah, it's hard to picture. Uh, she's very talented actress. She oh, yeah. Hold it up. I mean, she's got the chops. Yeah. But yeah, wise, acting, trying acting. to visualize it. There was a, a story that Joyce was very worried that. Jennifer was going to get the role because I guess she had beat her out in another part previously. So then mm. she was kind of like, Oh, here we go again. I'm going to lose another role to, to Jennifer, but we, they don't, unfortunately they don't say what the role was. That would have been interesting to hear. Yeah. Beat her out I'd love, yeah. Always love those stories. Yep. So speaking of Joyce Heiser, she had to wrap her torso with ACE bandages under her wardrobe when she played the male version of Terry to flatten her bosom. She said it was tremendously uncomfortable in a 90 degree desert heat. While filming, I wish they kind of showed a little bit of the transformation or like what See, her thinking right. was of doing that. And then the fact that she had to wrap herself yeah. in something or, you know, her brother would be joking, like wrapping her to get ready for school. Right. Because, you know, you just 800 stupid things you would have said that would have been funny for that. Sure. You know, how, how are you concealing yourself so people don't figure out right away like, oh, that's really a girl. I don't know. I, I would like to have seen that. Yeah, the transformation. I agree. Director Lisa Gottlieb says that uh, this was pitched to her. This movie was pitched to her as Tootsie in a high school. Okay. Yeah. Some research I did. I guess she she got this gig based like on a, on a short film she'd done. Okay. Yeah, and but then, then uh, and then unfortunately this didn't do well, and then she didn't direct another movie for another eight years. I'm just like Jesus Christ. It's like, if you're a woman director, if you don't knock me out of the park in the first one, especially back then, you were screwed. Yeah. Yeah, it was disappointing to see that. Yeah, for sure. I, I totally agree. And the last little tidbit I got here is uh, for fun facts and trivia. Uh, this movie did also spawn a sort of sequel 
in the early 90s called Just One of the Girls, this time with the main character going to high school and passing as a girl to hide from a bully. Yeah, I never heard of that film, Jason. Uh, who's in that? Just One of the Girls stars Corey Haim and Nicole Egger. What? Wow. Hmm. Let's do a pot on. Yes. We'll do a mini-sode on Just One of the Girls. Yes. So wrap it up for facts and trivia. That's all I got. All right. So let's move on to box office. So this movie was released on April 26, 1985. I could not find a budget for the film, but it did gross $11.4 million domestically. It debuted at number two at the box office and stayed there for two weeks, but was out of the top 10 by week five. So do you want, Jason, do you want to know? What the number one movies were the two weeks, just one of the guys was number two. Back to the future. Nope. You're never going to guess. I'll give you a hundred guesses. You still get it wrong. So the opening week of just one of the guys, it was number two to stick starring Burt Reynolds. Oh God. And then the following week, it was number two to the debut of code of silence starring Chuck Norris. Okay. Wow. 80s actions at its finest. Stick <laughs> and Code of Silence. Those two movies are actually number one at the box office at some point. That's just crazy. Wow. All right. So moving on to reviews. Um, this movie was not reviewed on Cisco and Ebert at the movies, or I think it was it would have been sneak previews at the time. Um, but it does have a tomato meter score of 45% on Rotten Tomatoes but a 6.5 score on IMDb. So that's not too bad. All right. All right. So this takes us to additional thoughts and questions. What are some of our additional thoughts and questions about just one of the guys? My only additional thought at this moment was something that you touched upon earlier, man, that this is our our first movie on this podcast about uh, gender swapping, gender issues since uh, sleepaway camp. It's just funny to me, but here's, Deep questions. We covered some stuff. Um, you know, we were talking about my question here was something that we talked about earlier, meaning, you know, what did Terry learn? What did the character learn from this movie? What's the message of this movie? And so then I kind of went a little deeper and it was like regarding the sexual identity issue and the sexism issue. Does this movie really deal with those issues? Meaning, does it really kind of sink its teeth in and get into it? Are they really addressed in this? The question could be, does it need to? I mean, is it just supposed to be a lighthearted comedy? I don't know the answers necessarily, but um, could it be updated? And the question here is, there was an article for the 35th anniversary last year in Entertainment Weekly. Lisa Gottlieb was saying that she and Joyce and Tony, I believe, who I think Tony played, are all dialing to... Uh, we're all dying to revisit the roles they played, but as adults who kid, whose kids are all having to deal with all kinds of gender issues, we want to do it. That's from a 2020 entertainment weekly article. Oh, yeah. So they're, they're still eager to do kind of a, a sequel that takes place much later with kids involved. Like it seems like they would explore those gender issues a little deeper, like kind of maybe answering some of the questions that we had. Yeah, yeah, I think that was still just a taboo topic back in the 80s. And I don't think they could have got that deep into it. Right. It would probably take a little 
it would take away a little bit from the yeah the comedy. It's supposed to be an '80s high school comedy, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I man. You know, here's the question I have that we're just gonna. I, I don't have the answer here, but something we're just gonna have to consider, and maybe I'm gonna pose it to the listeners. That's what I'm gonna do. Okay. The best '80s movie, quirky, sex crazed, sibling slash sidekick. I was gonna almost ask you a similar question about that. Does does Buddy rank like? He's gonna oh, be he's, top. Yeah, he's gonna be in the in the bracket challenge for the best '80s movie, quirky, sex crazed sibling slash sidekick. Yeah, he's Buddy Griffith has got to. He's gonna be right there at the end. He's got to be yeah a number one seed in the East bracket probably. I would say. <laughs> East bracket, I like. That. Yeah, because we could name off a few movies, obviously here, but uh, I mean, you've got uh, I can't think of the character's name. Uh, I was just thinking of him as Booger, like in R- Risky Business, or we did Can't Be I Made Love. You got his quirky little brother, but he wasn't sex crazed. He was just like a younger brother, but he's right. a quirky sibling. Yeah, just a wisecracking brother. Yeah. Right, and then you got the wisecracking sex crazed friend in adventures babysitting. Yeah. I mean, you just think about that movies that we've done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Can't buy me love last starfighter. This last star. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Better off dead. Even though he was kind of quiet. He's just bizarre. Here's a question. What happened between Rick and Deborah then? Yes. That made no sense to me either. Because at the end, Rick gets the quote-unquote perfect girl in high school mm-hmm. to go to the prom with him. And that's like his dream girl. But then I guess they broke up. Yeah, and how much time Rick passes? read the article that Terry had written for the paper and shows up. and Yeah, that was the unanswered question I wanted to know. Deborah's pretty cute, man. Oh, yeah, here's, all right, so here's my superficial question. Yeah. All right, if you had to ask one of these four girls out, who are you asking? All right. So Terry, Denise, Sandy, or Deborah? Oh gosh. All right. I could answer okay. If I were high school Jason or Yeah, go with high school Jason. High school Jason, which of the four would I ask out? Yes. And uh follow-up question being is do I know that Terry is a girl then? Obviously. I'm yeah, Terry, yeah. You're asking Terry the girl. Oh, I think hands down, I would ask. Ooh, that's tough. I would ask Terry. I would ask her out. Uh, it's close between Terry and Deborah. I was definitely a Deborah. That Deborah was my type like, mm-hmm. in high school. So I might say Deborah. Okay. I should say, if I'm being completely honest, I think Deborah. How about you, Bill? I was really liking Denise. And the whole oh, thing was like, cute. they're all, I mean. And Denise like, kept like putting herself gonna, down. Denise, you shouldn't have any trouble finding guys. I mean, no, yeah, I'm right. sure when she went to Terry and talk, oh, this guy, I would be on like the dork list that, you know, it's like, oh, which one am I going to go out with? And then, then Terry's like, you know, what kind of car do they drive? So, yeah, I, I would have made the grade. But the whole time I'm like, Denise, I would have asked you out in a, in a, in a minute. Oh, what, sure. What, Denise is what, great. Yeah. Super cute. I don't they, know. Yeah. It's, that's like. That's, I mean, if you had the choice to ask one of those four, I mean, I might have went Deborah second. I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. That's a great question. But the whole time, like, uh, Denise, stop putting yourself down. If you're, yeah, if you're in a real school, you're not having trouble getting dates. Trust me. 
Uh, Ugly sweater or not. (laughs) Here's my last question for you. Uh Is it pronounced Cindy Lauper? I know that got me. I was like, what is that? Oh, man. First time I've heard that, I think. I think I've heard somebody else say that. I don't know if it was on the radio recently. It may have been. I think that's what it was. I don't know what song it was that played time after time. No, that's something uh, I always play. Well, it's either girls want to have fun or time after time. Not that she doesn't have like a, a whole catalog of songs. Let's just My play those is, two over and over again. Well, My favorite is Goonies, man. You got to go good enough. Yeah. But yeah, Rick says <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Yeah. Yeah, I caught that too. I was like, Lauper? It's like, what? <laughs> Can you fix that in post, please? When they come out to 4K, maybe they'll have him come back and redub that so he says it right. All right. Uh, that's all I've got for my not-so-deep questions. <laughs> all right. So let's uh, move on to recommendations. Yeah. So how do we feel about just one of the guys after watching it after all these years? Would we or would we not recommend this movie? Bill, I give this movie two boobs up. <laughs> oh, Jesus. I mean, two boobs up. I mean, two thumbs up. I definitely recommend this movie. It's fun. It's not to be taken seriously. You really do have to go with it. It's worth the Billy Jacoby performance as Buddy Griffith. I actually think that Joyce Heiser as Terry is quite good. I think she's very charming and uh, easy on the eyes, of course. And can't go wrong with William Zabka. It may be the lesser of the three of his uh, William Zapka bully trilogy, but still strong performance as the the bully in this. And um, yeah, this is uh, it's it's so quintessential eighties teenage. You know, I would probably put it in the if you you know had tears, it might be second tier eighties high school comedy. But a lot of fond memories, and uh, yeah, I would I would recommend it. Yeah, I, I'm with you, too. It's definitely second tier. It's not something you have to run out and watch anytime soon. I really did enjoy the relationship aspect between Terry and Buddy. Good call. Um, yeah. I bought it, um, to be honest with you. Because even when Buddy was pushing Terry's buttons like to see how far he could go with trying to reveal what Terry was doing without it, I'm like, yeah, I see that with my kids, how they always are trying to push each other's buttons. But, right. but like, if I yell at my daughter, my son defends her right away. Exactly. And vice versa. Right. Because no matter how much they drive each other crazy, they love each other. And I was yep. like, Oh yeah. I was like, Oh crap. I got a future Terry and buddy. <laughs> so I don't know. Good call. I, that's a great point. They did a really nice job with that relationship in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, because he'll go as far as he can to push her buttons, tease her, uh, but he wouldn't consciously betray her. And also at the very end, when freaking Greg is throwing her into the ocean. Yeah, he's right there. He go, he attacks Greg. He's like, you don't do that to my sister. Yeah. he. I mean, he only gives it up because he's threatened and he knows mm-hmm. he'd get his ass kicked by Kevin. But yeah, once he sees Greg, tossing uh, his sister in the ocean he's yeah he's all over it he, yeah, there's no second thought in that yeah story-wise there's definitely some things that are glossed over or rushed too much so the story is not great soundtrack is not great yeah 
Yeah, I thought, yeah, Joyce does a good performance. And it's kind of weird that her career just kind of somewhat fizzled out a little bit. But then I think, uh, you know, she married in some money. She never really had to work again. I found okay. out she does a where she used to before COVID, a fundraiser on the Santa Monica Pier every year. It's like huh. one of those biking things. And you bike, you bike for donations or something like that. And they have all these um, exercise bikes on the pier. And then you just go up and then however much you ride. And that's the donations you get. And she runs that. And that's the last time I saw her. It was actually on the news out here uh, promoting it. And I was like, holy crap. It's uh, yeah, just one of the guys. That's cool. Yeah. Oh, good for her. Right so, on. Yeah. So she's out here in the area somewhere. I mean, I recommend it, but. It's not a strong recommendation. Fair enough. I'll leave it at that. Yeah. All right. Anything else? That's all I got, man. All that right. Yeah. I'm just, yeah. Glad we watched this. Glad, glad. Thank you for letting us do this. Uh, it was good to revisit. After all the begging and pleading and nasty emails I was getting from you. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. Like, you son of a bitch. Let us please do this episode. Okay. I caved. I do what it takes, Bill. No, I understand. And now I have a tremendous sense of relief. So yes. Now, now I just got to get the emails about the Care Bear movie all the time from you over and over again. Oh my God. So can't wait to do Care Bear. Yeah. All right. We'll do that season seven. <laughs> promises. Promises. I know. All right. So um, I think that about wraps it up for this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Next week will be the crime comedy Stir Crazy starring Richard Pryor and Gene Wilder directed by Sidney Poitier as always please subscribe give us a review and rate us you can email us at all80smoviespodcast at gmail.com please send us your feedback, questions or recipes to share you can follow us on Facebook at all80smoviespodcast or tweet us at podcastall80s until then have a totally great week everyone thanks for staying up with us good night world